Ah. Yeah, did you get it? This supposed to be a knife sound. Santa now may, I get it. Well, may have done the stabbing or been stabbed. It, there's penetration regardless. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, there's penetration regardless. That's. <laughs> but like you say, take, who knows? Take who it knows? to the bank. Well, Cole and Jake coming back at you. Hoping you had a uh, spooky and good Halloween. And I was like, let's keep this train going and try to do scary Christmas and. Today, we're going to go over Black Christmas, and I hate that we have to do this shit. I got to put the date, 1974, because guess what? Do you really, though? Because I feel like the reboot was Black Xmas. Nope. Nope. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that sometime. (laughs) But no, this is Black Christmas from 1974, directed by Bob Clark, who, just real quick, let's just go over his stuff, because... We found it kind of interesting. He does Black Christmas in 74, and then Porky's in 80 and 81, and A Christmas Story in 83. Mind boggled. <laughs> and then you get to 99, where it's Baby Geniuses, and there's a bunch of odds and ends peppered throughout his filmography, but that's kind of the highlights. Yeah, he's a free spirit, man. Written by A. Roy Moore, and his writing credits... Pretty much Black Christmas, some TV, but there's really nothing. He's only got eight. So kind of a one and donezo kind of guy. Starring Olivia Hussey, Care Dula, Margot Kidder, John Saxon. Let's see. This is a Canadian film, apparently. Released um. October 11th. Oh, so we got an early Christmas Halloween movie. That's smart. Back in 74. That's All smart. right. They knew. Running time, wow. 98 minutes. God bless that. Budget, 620000 In 74. Well, that's the budget. So what did it make in 74 Ooh, money? I, I I, have to admit, I looked this up. Um, They made they made a decent profit. I don't remember what, what it was. I want to say they, they box office, $1.5 million. 4.1. Oh. That's a four. Yeah, that was a, a big four. profit. It's a four there. Big old profit. Well, that was the other thing, too. When I looked that up, I was like, well, this makes a lot of sense. In the 70s, the market hadn't been saturated. People hadn't become jaded yet. Genius. <laughs> like, boom. This movie, watching it now, is just like, meh. But mm-hmm. thinking about it, if it was in 74, what was there before this? Probably nothing. You mean slasher movies? Well, well I mean... Christmas slasher movies. Oh, yeah. Also this done kind of this original. way. Yeah, because I feel like watching this, even watching this today, it's like, yeah, you have assumptions going in, but then you watch it and you're like, oh, and you tell people about yeah. it. It's worth a watch, you know. It's not what you would 100 percent assume. Yeah. Um. Well, but also in '74, there was literally nothing. There was no VCR. There was no home. Anything. It was theaters only. Is that fact? Uh, that's I'm th- I'm pulling it out my butt. Yes, <laughs> fact. <laughs> Go ahead and Google on uh, when the VHS came out because hell right. if I know when that happens. Okay, the storyline: it's Christmas break, and the sorority sisters make plans for the holiday, but the strange anonymous phone calls are beginning to put them on edge. When Claire disappears, they contact the police, who don't express much concern. Meanwhile, Jesse is planning to get an abortion. Oh, my God. Uh, Get an abortion, but boyfriend Peter is very much against it. Yes, he is. The police finally begin to get concerned when a 13-year-old girl is found dead in the park. They set up a wiretap at the sorority house. But will they be in time to prevent a sorority? Oh, my God. Sorority girl. (laughs) (laughs) Problem. Um, Okay. Let's let's get in on one point with this plot synom right here. The thirteen-year-old girl found dead in the park. Does that have any correlation to the murders going on in the sorority house? I, I don't think it does. Don't think so. No, I I think when I was watching it, I was trying to connect the two. I was like, oh, it must be the Black Christmas killer person. But then Christmas. I was also thinking, well, you named him, huh? Maybe it's not. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Well, I think. <gasps> I think that's another element of this film. Leaves it open-ended. It's scarier that way. But is it? Yes. Why? 
back in the day. Well, well, here's the problem. The unknown. The unknown is scary. That's why people are always scared of things they don't understand. So That's the scariest. Why is it they introduce this element of a 13-year-old girl get murdered in the park? Because sorority because... members go out and do part of the uh, search team. Meanwhile, the guy's still at the house. So I'm taking it as this guy's murdering specifically sorority girls, specifically this one sorority. Why is he out killing a 13-year-old girl? Right. I would agree with you. But we also don't know for sure. Because... I would say... Do do, do we just want to jump to the end of this? I would say this element... Sure. The the killer is not found. He is still in the attic. Yeah. That's where he lives now. Okay. Um, It's... So, so I would oh, say, boy. I would say from the from the plot, the thirteen year old girl adds an element of terror because children being murdered is always super horrible, and I would say that's why it's in there. And then it creates panic within the little neighborhood, which also adds to the overall panicked, I don't know, disorganization and chaos of the sorority house itself. Okay, I. They, they, I, I they think he's outside when he's inside the whole time. Well, they assume this, he's roaming around the neighborhood and getting them when they're outside or something. Well, this movie plays with a couple different ideas of you trying to decide who done it. And you think you might know, but then it kind of weaves this weird... It's a weird tale to tell. A tale to tell. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of goofy, honestly. All right, let's jump into uh, some notes. We introduced to our killer. We actually never see him. Is this smart? We never see his face. So let me clarify. Right. We see him because we're introduced to him from a POV camera shop climbing up to get to the attic. And heavily breathing. Mouth breathing. You can tell it's mouth breathing. You know mouth breathing every time you hear it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um You insulted one guy on the mic right now. <laughs> so uh I had to actually look this up, and I was curious just, like, what people thought about it. I was just looking for ratings, and one of the synopsis was about how that was on purpose. Like, I was wondering, I was like, why did they not have it, like, a definitive end in some way? Like, why is it a mystery? And and that was, like, apparently the whole, the whole idea behind the film was it's scarier if the, the murderer is a mystery. It's open ended. It it allows your mind to wander and create. It's got no you know, rhyme answers. or reason for what's going on, except for the fact like we get no background. Exactly. If this person was ever part of the sorority, knows any of the girls. Is he just crazy what's person going that on? Like, decides why, to live in an yeah. attic and kill people for some reason? Why is this the target? Right. Exactly. Okay. Everything is unknown, and it's more scary that way. As humans, we want answers, even if they don't actually make sense or not. They're not actually the answers. We want definitive answers. And this movie allows us to, our minds to wander, which is more terrifying because they're, again, all we're doing is just mulling over ideas that nobody has an answer to. Okay, well, maybe this movie is smarter than I gave credit for. No, absolutely. Once I read that, I was like, that makes sense. Okay. So let's let's get some of the elements in this. We got a sorority full of ladies. We got Miss Mac, who is like, what are these called? Like the Uh, the house house mother. House mother. Oh. Right, house mother. We have a cat. Can't forget house about bunny. the cat. The yeah. what? House bunny. The house bunny? What? <laughs> remember that one movie? Oh, okay. Okay. Vaguely remember that movie. Uh, with Anna, whatever. Yeah. Anna Far Off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's I, all I know about story. <laughs> that's all you all <laughs> yeah. I need to know. Watch House yeah. Bunny, right? Okay. Yeah, everybody has a house bunny. So we get a murder. Oh, I guess... Going back to your scary elements is they're having a party and one of the girls like, well, I'm leaving tomorrow, so I'm going to go pack. Right. And I don't know. And this is, I I get the scary part, but this guy is hiding in her closet. Is he, there's no way he could have possibly known maybe that she was going to go up there alone, but he starts making cat noises and lures her in because she thinks it's the cat. And then suffocates her with the plastic wrap for a. I feel like a a creepy murderer that's 100% we can assume that there's mental issues going on. The idea of hiding in a victim, a potential victim's closet is completely plausible. Yeah, but he's. I don't think it's about like timing. I think it it works out. It's like, uh, you know, it worked out 
perfectly, but he also would have just stayed in there until she probably went to bed. You know. Well, this is what I don't get is this one, once he kills her, he puts her in the attic in a rocking chair with the wrap still around her face. Right. That, and then Miss Mac goes, how does she die again? She gets strangled. Yeah, like she starts Maybe. going up. Right, and he like grabs her and, and pulls I, her out. Oh yeah, she she something. gets he makes some noises, so she goes to the attic and he takes her out. And then she's just stuck up there. But the other kills he does, he lives in the he leaves them in the room, and they're bloody. Yeah. So I guess what my point was at the start, I'm thinking, okay, this guy is picking them off one by one and making them disappear into the attic because they're assuming she's leaving. Yeah, done. Miss Mac, same sense. thing. She's supposed yep. to be going to. She said she's going to be gone. in the attic. The ones that are then left in the room kind of blow everything wide open of, well, I thought you were being stealthy, and I kind of like that element better than he just decides to up and murder somebody with a glass unicorn, stab, stab with the unicorn horn. And it's like, no, I want this to be... Because then it plays into, well, mom's calling, and what's-her-face to never made it home? And then there's the excuses. Or... Well, Miss Mac was supposed to go to her sister's, and she never made it she there. She never made it. Okay, well, that's weird, too. We've got two from this place that are disappearing. Right. The last like, place I we want, saw them was the sorority house. I want it. Like, I guess my... Is, is this movie better if this killer is successful and actually getting everybody? Because there's only one survivor. Should this movie ended with him actually getting everybody in that house? I would argue yes. Because the way it ends, he's still in the attic... The two people still are missing, and that for some reason the cops didn't check the attic, which I find be terrible. I was wondering work. about that, but uh, honestly, I mean that happens today. You know, get, well, no you, one checks, you check hear, the attic. Well, not not just that, just like horrible police work, or you, or, or it's done in a town where they're not equipped, they're not used to murders, they're not used to the whole crime scene thing. I guess like it's I just human nature. I mean, well, maybe unless they, you're used to it, I mean, why would you be expected to be on point? You know. And maybe they figured they didn't need to because they thought they had the killer when they didn't. I again, yeah, that's why. Police well, work. I don't know. I don't know if it'd actually be better if there was no survivor. I think it would. Yeah, I think I think maybe it would help with everything being a mystery. It just adds to the mystique of the house. Well, because one of the biggest mysteries is the guy keeps calling and gets very. Uh, He's like multiple personalities. Uh, well, they call him the moaner at one point. Right. And then he gets very... Uh, very cr- animated. ...crude and starts using words that rhyme with runt. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, 74. Well, you this get... This is pretty extreme Well, that was the thing of that, okay. too. It's like in 74, there was more leeway. They were way more liberal with ratings and like and, getting well, away with stuff back then. That's for sure. And because of that, I thought... And because of the the era we're in, I thought we'd have more nudity, more sex. I more thought there violence, was going to be nudity, way like more, crazy, way more, and violence. Yeah, way more everything. Yeah, and it's like no, really, it's just language and one one kind of brutal scene of murder. And other than that, the movie is fairly tame of oh, what's going on. Very, very tame. And I was like, well, this is a mild disappointment of like the start of this. I was like, okay, well, that's the one that's going to get murdered in the shot in the shower. That's the <laughs> one that's going to get m- murdered soon after sex. And then none of that ever happened. Cause like, okay, this isn't going by like, I guess your typical horror movie layout right. of how these people are going to die. It's no, she's having a nightmare, an asthma attack. And then he just goes in there and straight up murders her. And same with the other one. Like, it's just, he had the chance to do it, so he did it. But is he singling out the one girl, Jess? Jess ends up being our focal character because her and her boyfriend. The uh, passionate pianist. (laughs) (laughs) The the passionate pianist. The passionate pianist. Uh, if that's not on a shirt, dibs. It needs to be. <laughs> and so people can ask me, are you the passionate pianist? And I will have to say, I can tickle your ivories. <laughs> <laughs> and you can take that however yeah. you want to take that. Okay. This movie then gets injected with abortion talk. Oh, it does, doesn't it? So it all of a sudden becomes this thrust of Jesse and Peter are 
fighting because Jesse wants an abortion. Peter doesn't. He doesn't think it's wrong. He's got a piano recital or recruitment coming up. And he kind of dro- she drops this bomb on him right before that. So he kind of sucks at doing it. He freaks out and uses a mic stand to destroy the piano, which now puts him as number one suspect because he's being a real dick. And because the moaner, I'm going to call him the moaner, murder is in the house, he knows things. So one of the times when he calls, he says information that only Jess would know. So then she thinks it's Peter. As an audience... Are we thinking it's Peter? Because for a duration 100%. of this, I was like, okay, he knows the house. He knows the girls. Maybe he's he knows a, a little bit of the routine. He's got a screw loose. He's got a screw loose. He's well, very like focused, but then he also had a mental break with his recital. Yeah. It's and he, plus the whole like, oh, I want to keep my baby that we shouldn't have. Well, because some of the moaner talk before this was like, it would switch between like, Yelling at Billy and it's like a male voice and then a female voice and maybe there's a kid in there and there's a lot about pig and uh, vagina stuff, which I right. only bring that up because our next movie will also kind of uh, talk about that too. There's a little bit of a connection, but yeah, true, true. Uh, it's it's just all over the place with what this is trying to do and I does this work with having this element of Jesse becomes our focal character. And ends up being, again, back to your, will you make it what it is, possible final girl? I I think it does work. And I was actually glad that they singled her out finally because I was wondering that. In in this movie where backstories, sure, you give all the backstories you want. To me, it's just a group of girls. Like It's like, I don't know. How, how, why would I care about one over the other? It's just a sorority group. And they also played it off as they're all kind of in it together. They're going home for the holidays. The house mother is the only like separation between like the sorority girl- sisters, and then the singling out with Jesse was really good because she's she, she she seemed more mature. She had more complex of a backstory, I guess. But also the element of Peter, he was being portrayed as this potential murderer. I thought it was really nice because then you know flipping it on its edge you're like you know does he have multiple personalities he's having these freakouts out of nowhere he's an obviously like intelligent musically which you know everybody that's sort of like an artist extreme can have like some extreme sways in personality and it's like well is he is it possible that he's also like calling the house and I don't know, having multiple personalities and climbing in the attic? Is that who we saw? Because we never actually saw? Was that Peter? Okay. I like all the mystery. Help me remember here. He's able to make phone calls while in the house because don't the cops also say, well, there's another line and they're like, it's not used. We're not going to worry about it. It's not the primary line. Kind of crappy police work if that's what happened. So this goes back to the question, how does this guy know there's a second phone line to be able to make phone calls because that is adding the element of harassment and spookiness when you've got these phone calls that are very obscene and they're coming from in the house, which Which, I'm not sure I feel about that. So, so I'm totally for that element because it is super creepy. Um, and I think back to the movie scream when it's like, Oh, the, the calls are coming from inside the house. You know, that makes sense, but it's, it's a cell phone. It's possible. What you're saying, it's landlines back then. That's all there was. So the fact that there's a second line and there's a telephone attached to it and it's still live seems weird to me. When when I heard that too, I was like, oh, okay. So does it have its own separate number? And that's why they're like, well, it's coming through this main line. This other one doesn't matter. But if that, I'm going to call it the attic phone, can call out back into the house, like, the best part of this movie is when they tap the phone and you've got this phone guy running all over these phone banks oh, trying to right. find the trace. And I was like, right. oh, wow, how oh, we have come in technology where we're yeah. not even... Uh, when no. I saw that, too, I was like, oh, that's how these trace that's calls, they, huh? And okay, they, and it physically trace them. And it wasn't uh, a cop. It had to be like... The telephone guy. Yeah, like he had he to be the one guy. Down. Like He was a cop for a day. Yeah. 
No, it's, that was that was crazy. super interesting. I like that. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, it, it doesn't make sense to me that this unfur- unfurnished um attic, it is a finished furnished uh finished attic, uh has its own line. Because like you're saying, as far as I understand with telephones, with landlines, it would have to be a separate line. There's no other way. But the fact that that exists seems really weird when the house itself only has one telephone. It's in the main area, like you would think it would be if it was a house phone. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. But hey, whatever. I want to talk about the liquor real quick. Here's a question. Now, okay. Th- uh, okay. Before that. Uh-huh. Um, so with the phones, how did he know what the phone number for the house was? That's what I'm saying. Like you start to really think about it, like, yes, it is scary and mysterious at the same time of how he knows what to do. So, which makes you wonder, is he actually in their lives and has any kind of connection to the people right now? Another question too, is I'm trying to think back to my childhood and you, you'll, you're, you know, in my age group too. So you uh, should be able to help me. Uh-huh. Um, with landlines, the phone number was on the phone itself, right? There was a little placard that had the phone number, I think, the actual phone number on the phone. Well, I think sometimes you added that on your own. So maybe that's how, like, with him wandering around, he he was able to look at the phone, look at the phone number. Well, if, I mean, if it had it, if it had it, like you said. Well, I mean, you could argue like there had to have been some kind of like phone book or campus directory since it's a a sorority associated with the university that you could find the main number for that. True. And again, that's like, okay, well, this guy's doing either A, some kind of research, or again, B, he's got some kind of connection to this house or something else that I'm not thinking of. Because again, you're like, well, how does he know? And then you fill in the blank from there to do this, this, and this, and it all work out for him. Right. Because, I mean... These phone calls seem random, and that's that's something we can figure out. Are these phone calls random, or is he specifically calling at times for a purpose? I think that's the whole mystery. He's element. just calling. Well, I don't know. I'm, I've, this is this is it the part of my be... personality that wants to make the phone call and be obscene with these ladies. So this is what I'm going to do. It maybe I don't uh-huh. know. Like you say, I mean, I think it just adds to the overall theme of open-ended mystery well you want some little tidbits for this yeah this was originally titled silent night evil night in the united states yeah i like that okay uh let's see it stars the story follows a group of sorority sisters who receive threatening phone calls and are eventually stalked and murdered by a deranged killer during the christmas season inspired by the urban legend the babysitter and the man upstairs Mm-hmm. And a series of murders that took place in Westmont neighborhood of Montreal, Quebec. Moore wrote the screenplay with under the title Stop Me. The filmmakers made numerous alterations to the script, primarily the shifting to a university setting with young adult characters. It was shot in Toronto in 74. Um, had mixed reviews on the release, but since received critical appraisal with film historians, historians noting it for being one of the earliest slasher films. It's also praised as its influence for John Carpenter's Halloween in 78. Interesting. So the far reaches of this movie. Right. It's based on true events. Well, yeah. uh, It's also based on true events and an urban legend. Well, aren't urban legends based on true events? I mean, I guess. Or elements. I mean, when you say based on, it can be loosely. Yeah. No, when I I read that too, and I was like, ah, that's pretty cool. And then it, it helped me appreciate it more. At first, I was like, uh, one, another horror movie in a string of horror movies. But then it was like, oh, okay, this really like set the precedence. I, going back to the liquor real quick, is this movie saying anything with drinking? Because Miss Mac has got alcohol stashed in the toilet tank. So I alcohol was, stashed in a book. And she would chug it. And. I was really confused by that too. One of the dads shows up because of, like, my daughter never showed up. I want to know what's going on. And he ends up talking to Miss Mac. And by Miss Mac is a poster with the peace sign, but it's two people doing it. And it's making this awkward thing of like, he seems to be not on board with the drinking and the sexual nature of the sorority. Not. And it's making Miss Mac feel uncomfortable. But at no point do we ever assume the dad's the killer, right? 
100%. No. Because this movie tries to inject characters like, well, that could be the killer. At one point, I was like, well, maybe it's this dumb cop is doing it because they're razzing for being not the brightest. And I just, I don't know. There's a weird joke in here that I'd have to find. That he, Remember when they're uh, making the complaint and he's like, what's your phone number? And the one girl's like, oh. uh, what did she say? It's 69. Um, and then later, the head detective's like, what was the number they gave you? And she, he's like, she gave me 69. And you're like, ha, 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 Well, wasn't the one... Jokes. I, I thought it was something different than that. I'm pretty sure it was a 69 joke because I was like, hey, cop, it's two numbers. And I think I think it's only there to be paid off Way too long later when he's like, yeah, she gave me 69. No, I, I, thought, it was, about I it. thought it was fellatio. Oh, it is fellatio. Yeah. She does, gave me he, fellatio. Yeah, he doesn't know okay. what fellatio means. Okay. And he thought right. it was like the name of a person. Oh, fellatio. Oh, it's fellatio. Because, yeah, she he's, gave at, me he's, he's yelling from the desk back to the detective like, she gave me fellatio. And they're like, what? No, wasn't the lead detective he read the report? Because the well, he, yeah, detective he, put he, it in the report, he, he asked, was like, he asked the the guy. He's well, like, his what partner, is yeah, gave him the form. He was like, "Read this," and he was busting out <laughs> laughing. <And laughs> she gave me fellatio. Do you know what that means? No, she gave it to me though. Yeah. Jesus, this uh, is just so. Yeah, she called in and said it was fellatio. <laughs> kind of a good joke in a weird movie. I no, just... I, I enjoyed that. That was that was good. Yeah, I think she. Yeah. I think she was using like the numbers on the on the keypad, and their numbers maybe did spell fellatio um, or close to it. And she just like was like, "What's the number?" And it's like fellatio. Like, and she was to, like you, you said, to... back to the alcohol thing. She was all wasted when she talked to him. Oh, that's true. She was sloppy drunk. That is true. Overall thoughts of this movie. Do you, did you like it? Because honestly, we kind of covered it. There's it for what it is. It's fairly thin. All we've got, yes. guy and attic, murdering sorority girls. A lot of open-ended. With yeah. abortion talk So, So right I was looking at it, and it makes sense why the whole abortion thing came up, because abortion, or Road versus Wade, was uh, decided in January of 73. So the fact this is 74, it's literally fresh in everybody's mind. So it oh, makes so sense why they would bring it up. It, very it just on became, point for like, the time. Yeah. Well, I guess I did not like it because part of this, we were going to do a movie called Red Christmas Mm -hmm. from three to five years ago. Oh, I heard that was really good. And shut your face. (laughs) Uh, There was the main theme of that was abortion. And then we we decided to do Black Christmas and this popped up. I was like, son of a bitch. I, I, what, what? And I, I guess that makes a little bit more sense now because when you're making a movie, sometimes you got to hit the topics of right. the time. Topic and of the time. I, I don't. Does this add or take away anything to this movie? Because no, I guess I think it, it's just a commentary on the times. Because, like you say, because I feel like the same reaction they were trying to get out of the boyfriend could have been, um, could have been gotten to. That sounded weird. Um, <laughs> by by Jane or whatever her name was. We're talking about uh, Jesse. Jesse by Jesse, um, just breaking up with him, being like, you know, I just want to break up, you know, and then him like having a meltdown. I feel like you could have had the same reaction, the same events occur without the abortion. It could have just been filled in with, I want to break up with you, and then him freaking out. But see, the first murder has already happened before we're let in that she really needs to talk to him about this issue. And right. so once you go back and you know the details, like, well, if he was killing before, what's his motive? And if he's killing now, shouldn't it just, like, are we saying, like, he became a woman hater? Like, right. here's the thing. Peter's not the killer. He ends up getting beaten to death by her in the basement because he shows up. She's getting stalked in the house. She runs to the basement. Peter randomly shows up. So you're like, oh, okay. She beats him to death. Yeah, because he has like a total meltdown. End of end of shut. It, the case is over. Yeah. We got we got him. He's he's it. Yep. And it's then him. this movie, they t- <laughs> they take her upstairs, put her to bed, 
And the dad that's there visiting starts having a heart attack. So every cop leaves the house except for one posted outside. And we only know that because the camera zooms out from the attic as the killer's sitting there rocking the first dead girl and it zooms all the way out of the house. And we're like, oh, Peter wasn't the killer. Maybe I knew that. Maybe I didn't. Right. But you do now. But I do now. So is he going to go down and murder her now? Right. So my immediate thought with the ending was they left it open, not only in the mystery of so many unanswered questions, but also also the um the ending is is built for a sequel. <laughs> like to to answer some questions or just continue the saga of the moaner in the attic, you know. <laughs> the the moaner in the attic. I like it. And another question, too, like, I was always curious, like, the Mona would always talk about Billy. Billy! Billy! Yeah. And I was like... I don't... It, and... Is that the Mona? Is the Mona portraying, like, his mom and dad, like, being angry at him, and his name is Billy, in this multiple personality, well, like, he, freak out? He makes pretty good pig noises, and again... I. I think we're right. led to well, believe I would, he's got I would assume too, yeah, that like his women. parents his parents like treated him like shit and like called him a pig. That was my that well, was my take. He 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 gets very gross and starts talking about doing fellatio to their pig vaginas and you're like, Whoa, <laughs> right. whoa, whoa. That, that did, this phone call is that did escalate extraordinarily quickly. weird. And it starts using that word that rhymes with runt. And you're like, whoa, 74, calm yeah. down. With- and there was a lot of them, too, repeatedly. It was it was a lot. It's a lot for this movie. Because then it, after like the first 20 minutes, this movie really kind of dies down with the, even the nature of the phone calls are a little tamer. And the overall movie is just. It's so, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. In, in our. In our current times, it is a very slow movie. But for ninety-eight I, minutes, it you can kind of feel the runtime a little bit, right? But I was thinking that's because we're not in seventy-four. In seventy-four, this was probably gripping. The cat's fun. pajamas. You know, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, it made I, money you, back. Well, you have to think about what what was movie what were movies like in the seventies, early seventies. Not much, you know. They're all kind of like this. There yeah. wasn't a lot to them. Fun, campy, especially when you're talking about like horror, but just like non-serious movies, non-thrillers, dramas. It's like, uh, I guess this would be a thriller, but I don't know. It, yeah. Thriller horror? I don't know. <laughs> but it's a, I mean, for what it is, it's not terrible. It's just, I, I yeah. I guess I need more of why this one girl was picked out to sit in the rocking chair with the stuff still over her face because it's terrifying but so it's just terrifying for the audience yes. is that all is that the only purpose it serves because like yes. i said because I, she's I, dead so she doesn't care i was <laughs> oh yeah yeah so it's like totally it. for the audience because i mean i don't i i, I think it's all come uh a uh, culmination of creepiness you think about how murderers you know treat their victims i don't want to Exactly, or what they do with trophies. I, in my mind, that girl was a trophy. That's why he brought her up there. Why haul a body up there and put her in a rocking chair and okay. then rock her? Okay, because go, it's like going off trophy. that. Is this his first kill? No, way too clean. We're way say, too well. We're, we're, we're taking. We're talking serial killer now. That's my guess. Yeah. That's okay. Based I, on how like on point and like. Well, then why does he get well sloppy? executed? Sloppy That's what I'm saying. Way. I wanted this movie to be a straight up, this guy's picking them off in their room one by one and taking them to the attic. How, I needed something a little more, because he just stabs uh, what, uh, Kidder's character in her bedroom. And then well, someone else goes in to check on her and he's still in there and kills her. And then Jess walks in there. He's like, well, what's, what, we need to get out of the house. And I would say that's because he is insane. I, I mean, you know what I mean? It's I like, know, but there's an inconsistency because if you want to go with the, well, the I wouldn't serial say killer. I wouldn't say there's an inconsistency. There's an inconsistency to what we understand about killers. 
okay, well, let's, let's, when we, he stabs we assume, her. The, we assume that they're super on point. I, but exactly yeah. what you're saying. Say he got to a point where he just wants to stab that girl. And then by happenstance, the other one walks in the room. Well, he has to kill her too. Or is it a different personality? The one's more surgical <sighs> and Again. clean and the other one's like, no, Again. no, we're going to make a mess. If one's a child versus one's an adult, that makes more sense. Because if it's Billy, the child, that's yeah, like, I'm going to kill now and I'm also a child and don't understand I need to be careful. That makes more sense. And the reason I say that is because once you get to like kind of the end of this movie, you've only got three girls in the house. Two are sleeping. One is answering the phone and kind of freaking out. And because she, she's got the task of keeping the guy on the line long enough to get a trace. Right. And that's why I'm like, well, this guy can easily go get one of them while she's in bed dead. Because they kind of ignore her. He she goes up there once because she's having an asthma attack and a nightmare, and then she leaves her alone. Well, now's the time to strike. And we get the POV shot numerous times where she's on the phone back to the stairs, and there's somebody coming down the stairs. Right. One time it's Peter, and then it's like it's just really weird. And I think I would enjoy this movie better if they were picked off one by one, and maybe it ends with. Cops are rolling up to the house because they've got all these phone calls of all these people who never came home. And maybe they find all the bodies in the attic and he's gone. Or maybe it does end with all the bodies in the attic and he's still there. I don't know. I just, I like the more he's able to pick these people off in the house while there's people in the house and no one is none the wiser of what's going on. That is a little bit terrifying of like, you've got this I mean, big house yeah, full but of he, people. He is doing that. Just, but with two of them. And Miss Mac went up there on her right, own. But I mean, enough people leave or disappear that aren't supposed to. Like the first two, that makes sense. They were said, I'm leaving. So everybody was just like, oh, they're gone now. And then after yeah. that, I mean, once people start disappearing, clearly they're being taken. Clearly it's happening in the house. So at that point, maybe they were thinking, ah, whatever. Just make it obvious. <laughs> but also he isn't able to be caught. Well, and I like your idea of, like, it's terrifying because you don't know who he is, and we never get a face. We never get and, a reason. And we never get the reason. And I guess that is, in some ways, true to life. Yeah. It's the most terrifying. Some people will never be caught, and it's you'll like, never know what uh, you look. Is it Zodiac? Zodiac killer. Yeah. He's the only one. Or Jack the Ripper. I mean, they think they have an idea who he was, but again, the mystery yeah. of just unknown killer. That's very efficient. It's an interesting premise. I just think, I'm again, looking back at 20, 2021 eyes, it could have been reworked a little bit better. But it could have been from is, our standpoint. But it's think good. about this was how many years ago? This is over. Oh, I'm talking like 40 years yeah, ago. Yeah, dude. We no, weren't even alive. We're not alive for another 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I was 12, but. You were 12? No, another 12 years. Oh, gotcha. I was like, you were 12. I don't think you're that old, man. Dude, thinking about like in 74, which I can't, but my assumption is things were a lot simpler. A lot, a lot simpler. Well, I mean. I mean, hell, the VCR came out in the 70s. That's true. Oh, you Googled it, huh? I did Google it. Good. My, so, I mean, there there were VCRs, but I think it was like the home computer. Yeah, they, they were too expensive. They were in limited houses. They were only for the rich. It wasn't until like the um, late 70s, 80s, that VCR, because there was the battle between VCR and Betamax. And they were probably a little bit costly to make. Oh, they're the still very expensive. And it probably, but still, yeah. they became more widespread. But even then, this movie wouldn't have been in homes, you know? Yeah. I... The VCR would have been like a, a, a home theater type thing, hmm. is my take. Some other interesting tidbits. Uh, 76, it got nominated for the best horror film. That's saying something. 75 won best sound editing in a feature. And won best performance by lead actress of Margot Kidder. Uh, 75 nominee for best feature film. This is from the Canadian Film Awards. Oh, okay. And then in 76, it was nominated by the Edgar Allan Poe Awards for best motion picture. So, I mean, it got awards, but because this is 
apparently a Canadian film. That's all it kind of was recognized for. It was and maybe, never U.S. stuff. Well, you know, go back to that box office. You know, four point one million. It just says. I mean, it's distributed by Canada Warner Brothers, U.S. International. So I'm going to assume that's full. That's worldwide. I'm it's got to be. Yeah. Which back then I would assume it would have been Europe, U.S. or North America and in Europe. Yeah, and but I mean, there again, it's kind of tough to to do anything. Well, like you're saying too, it's like, uh, how did how were the awards uh, structured back then? I like, don't know. I I wouldn't be surprised if. The fact that it was Canadian release film, it would have to be an international film with U.S. award ceremonies, you know? It's Canada and awards from the 70s. I don't right. care. Right. I'm just saying that could explain it. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do some uh, critical responses? Yeah. Hmm. A guy from the New York Times called it a whodunit <laughs> that raises the question as to why it was made. <laughs> when was this review from? I'm going to assume around the time of the release. No. Yeah, Variety called the film a bloody, senseless, kill-for-kicks feature that exploits unnecessary violence in a university sorority house operated by an implausible alcoholic (laughs) ex-hoofer. It's slow-paced, murky tale involves an obscene phone call, phone caller who apparently delights in killing the girls off one by one, even the hapless house mother. Gene Siskel gave the film a 1.5 out of 4 and called it a routine shocker that is notable only for indicating the kind of junk roles that talented actresses are forced to play <laughs> in the movies. Whoa! Okay. These are pretty pretty vicious. They're brutal. Wow. Yeah, they got some teeth. Uh, Los Angeles Times wrote, before it maddeningly overreaches its gratuitously evasive ending, Black Christmas is a smart, stylish, Canadian-made little horror picture that is completely deriving. It may very well be that its maker simply couldn't figure out how to end it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, huh. I guess, but that... Again, you've got movies that come out that are critically hated that give it a year or so, all of a sudden become these cult-followed movies that... Well, I was I wondering mean, about that because I looked up on Rotten Tomatoes and it has a 71. People love it. So then I'm thinking, okay, is it one of these cult but followings? Did you look at the right year? Yes, 74. Because 74. I looked at 2006, okay. that was 15%. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, that was fifteen percent. That yeah, is nuts. so. Which I would agree with. I mean, I don't think they're far off, but yeah, the the approval rating for seventy four Black Christmas is higher than I would assume. After watching it, it was decent, but I wasn't like, oh my god, I got to tell people about this. They have to watch it. It was like, ah, it's okay. Hmm. Uh, the one that from oh six that is a remake. It says on here it's adapted from Black Christmas. Which I would agree. There's elements, but they're not trying to match it completely. Oh, really? So you did not see that one then, huh? What? Did you see the 06 one? Yeah. Okay. I would say I, I, I wrote in my notes that uh, it's an homage to the 74. Because I think they kind of labeled that as Black Xmas. Exactly. So with that and the way the movie played out, I thought they were paying homage to elements of the 74, but also trying to do sort of an updated, they're doing their own thing. Well, maybe I should have watched that one too. Maybe we should have done that one. I mean, it's got an interesting cast before they were, I mean, it's just got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Lacey Chabert, Katie Cassidy. I mean, there's some people on there that might be of note. I don't know. Overall feeling, Black Christmas. I think, yes, it was good for the time being now. I'm kind of like, eh, it's fine. I was shocked by some things, but, and maybe it's because you see this formula in so much of quote unquote scary movies or horror right. slashers that I'm already just like, eh. But, and, it, but and, it sounds like from that review yeah. that, I mean, that was already the formula back then. They just added a few elements. Yeah. 
Maybe. And you know, I I watched the original Halloween a year or two ago for the first time, and it is fine. I can understand why in '78 it it has a following and why it's been a property that, for fuck's sake, is still going on. Yeah. But you're also looking at is these are fairly innovative ideas in filmmaking for right now. And maybe you could argue like Hitchcock, maybe back in the day did a little bit better and he will for always be in movies because he was Hitchcock. But I guess I'm fine with this movie. I guess I could use just a little bit more mystery and not so much of a necessarily whodunit. And I guess I was more looking at, oh, these people are going to be running around the house trying to stay alive while somebody's actively murdering, not picking them off one by one while they're alone, which, again, I kind of like this. Well, that's weird. She was just in bed, but now she's gone. Oh, well, she's just an alcoholic and always horny, so maybe she just left and we didn't notice. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. Like They're always justifying why all of a sudden these random people are gone, and there's always a rationale like, Oh, she was supposed to go do this, so now she's gone. Oh, but right. she never came back, so that's weird. But It's the holidays. Everybody's yeah. headed home. Yeah, like, play with that a little bit more. And I agree. I think if they would have played into that more, like, literally everybody's planning on leaving that week or something, that weekend, and they slowly started to disappear, and it's like, oh, that's weird. She never said goodbye. She always does. Oh, well. Yeah. And I like we said, I'm surprised there's not more sex, nudity, violence right the language hits really hard for a couple moments and then it dies down right it got super intense but also like most movies don't even go that intense at all so it is weird very weird but also i would say that if you know you're freaked out and all of a sudden they're cursing well the one girl is just like like, kind of what is going on talking to him and trying to get more of a rise out of the situation. Right. More right, typical right. of like the invincible 20-something-year-old who's had a couple drinks who's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. talk dirty to me more like that. Yeah. Like, this is entertaining. Can you Bring breathe it. heavier? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, that's the other Come thing, to the too. house. We'll party. Well, I think about it like in today's day and age. You take any modern teen, early 20-something, you talk to them like that, they're going to talk mad shit right back to you and not care at all. Probably talk way worse back to you. Oh, you so you've, you've played online games before, huh? No, I have not. <laughs> but my that's just my take on how just it's progressed since, I mean, we've been kids. It's only gotten worse. Yeah. You know, I thought our generation was bad. And we were. But every generation after us has gotten worse. More bold. Yeah. They care less about authority. If you're not their parents or somebody that knows like their parents, they could care less. So do you remember back in the, you know, oh, hey, if anybody remembers pay phones or rotary phones or any kind of phones, wasn't there, wasn't there like a star six, eight or something you could do and then do an instant call back to the number that just called you? Yeah. Wasn't it is star six, thing? nine? I thought oh, star six, nine. There was also a code to like block your number if you were trying to prank call people. <laughs> I forget does which one anybody does anybody remember that stuff? Who knows? I don't even know if you'd be able to find out that information. But I do remember. Hundred percent. I do it's remember. Be on the webs. Yeah, look it up. I'm pretty sure there's. So again, that goes back to well, when was that a thing? And could they have just star sixty nine and uh, or sixty eight? Well, I want a real sixty nine kick today. Uh, hey, you are. I don't know. Your mind Fili- is somewhere. Felicio! Your mind is somewhere. Yeah. Uh, really wondering why they just didn't do that to begin with. And I, maybe you don't because you don't have this sweet scene of this guy hauling ass to try to trace a phone call. Well, I don't even know how that worked out, but uh, I kind of want to see this guy's job. Oh, you're right. So uh, right here, star 69, vertical service code 1169 on rotary phones and pulse dial phones. So it doesn't say what years they did that, but... Yeah, on rotary phones, it was available. So exactly, why didn't she just do that? Oh, so star 67 to hide your number. 67, 69, okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll block it. Yeah, 60, this is hilarious. The internet's so great. 
Yeah, six, star 69 automatically dials your last incoming call, whether the call was answered, unanswered, or busy. Call within 30 minutes, during which you can still make and receive calls, says the internet. I don't know if you can do that anymore on a cell phone. Is that I, still a thing? I highly doubt it. I mean, everybody's got call ID anyway. Right. So you'd always hit redial. But back in the day, when you had a landline. Oh, of... and also the problem... The reason why they didn't do it, it's probably this. Um, it was fifty cents per for call every time you did that, so they they didn't want to incur that charge. To star sixty nine. To star sixty nine was fifty cents every time. Was you fifty did it. cents? Yeah, same with probably sixty seven. Huh? Is fifty cents worth trying to catch a moaner <laughs> who's yeah. calling my house? Is yeah. it? Maybe, maybe not. Apparently, it was not. So this could have been before, though. This could have been I guess. before this existed, because you think they would have incorporated that instead of having the telephone dude run around the telephone bank. Because I, given the one character, like you could always have her go like, well, "I'm going to sixty nine this guy," and like, yeah. for some reason, it doesn't work because he's blocked it on the other end. Right. Oh, you already did the seven. See. With no color ID, then, this was the only option. Oh, see? Yeah. So you could have more jokes in this movie about sex, and then that's why they've got to get the the traces, because he blocked it. So now they've got to do like an actual... Oh, see? It could have just a little bit more flavor. Well, maybe. This might not be the right time, though. I guess. Sure thing. <laughs> sure thing. Sure thing, buddy. I don't care. It's <laughs> I don't it, care. It's Black Christmas 74. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a fine... It's a fine holiday movie if you want to watch it in November before you cut your turkey and way before December when you open your presents. But happy holidays, right, Jake? Absolutely. Happy holidays. Ho, ho, Claire, that's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doing their annual obscene phone call.